0: Today on CityCast Denver. Closing a school can leave a scar in a community that's not quick to heal. And now, due to declining enrollment, the Denver Public Schools community is faced with that possibility, thanks to Superintendent Alex Moreto's recent proposal to close a handful of schools, mostly in low-income and and black-and-brown neighborhoods. So my producer Paul Caroli is going to catch us up on all the DPS drama and then I'll check in with school board member Michelle Quattlebaum, who herself was personally affected by school closures back in the 90s and is one of seven who will be voting on Moreto's proposal today. Today is Thursday, November 17th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies and this is CityCast Denver. Hey, Paul. Hey, Bree. So, Paul, can you remind me, how did the school board get into this debate over school closures?
1: Well, this is a situation that's been brewing for several years now, but the root causes are varied and complicated. Mm-hmm. But when people talk about this, they typically talk about... Kids in DPS leaving for private schools, they talk about families being priced out of Denver, going to the suburbs where the housing is more affordable, and then those kids are in a different district. Um, They talk about school choice, you know, wealthy families sending their kids across the district, maybe not to the neighborhood school. And so it all leads to this situation where there are a lot of schools in DPS right now that are under-enrolled. So maybe they have the capacity for like three, 400 kids, and they have maybe like 100, 150 kids. Which, because schools are funded on a per-pupil basis, puts a lot of burden on the administration.
0: Um, but so where does this like school closure conversation fit in with the drama that we've sort of watched unfold uh with the Denver school board in the last year.
1: Yeah, this is where it gets exciting because the school board has been so dramatic in the last year. Very spicy. I mean, we've talked about this on the show a few times just to catch everybody up. uh, One year ago, November 2021, an election, candidates backed by the teachers union swept the whole board. So for the first time in like more than 10 years, These teacher union backed candidates control the board, which is huge because this this teacher's union backed coalition, these are people who ran for the board in part in response to the reform movement, which was dominant in Denver about 10, 15 years ago and which itself led to a lot of school closures. Because one aspect of the reform movement was this idea of bringing more... I don't know, I don't want to say market-driven efficiency, but like data, more data to bear. And that meant using things like test scores to make decisions about what schools were not performing the way the district wanted. Manual High School is a perfect example of that. It was closed in 2006 for, for a few years. It's reopened now. But there are still people who were students there at that time and are clamoring to have their diplomas read Manual High School because they love their school so much. I mean, Tay Anderson, he's a board member. He goes by Aonte now. But he was in part motivated to run for the board because of that school closure and the effect on his community.
0: So this new school board that was elected last year... Although they they came in on a lot of similar ideas, ha, have not always uh, gotten along. I mean, I think that's that's been an issue in the news at least. We've watched this board sort of battle it out internally. Can you talk about what's been going on with this this iteration of the DPS board?
1: Yeah, it's really unfortunate because it seems to have devolved into a lot of personal conflict. Um, there's a couple of groups on the board, people that have sort of come together around similar ideas. There's like the, uh, Anderson group, which is him and Scott Esserman and Michelle Quattlebaum. And they oppose, um, the president of the board, who's also one of the new members, Sochi Gaitan. But in terms of like actual policy differences, I don't see a lot of that. What I hear a lot is, um, talk about identity and who's, who's oppressing who, who's not giving who enough space to speak. Um, one board member called it the oppression Olympics, which I thought was a pretty interesting and, you know, telling way to sum it up. And that's from a board member.
0: So we're looking at the possibility of closing schools in DPS, and um, this decision has come to this pretty fraught board up until this point. So how is this board handling this issue of potential school closures?
1: Not well, Bree. It's it's turmoil. Um, ever since October 25th, when Superintendent Marrero proposed to close 10 schools there's been uproar from parents from students from all of the communities affected and from the board and in part as a result of their pushback Marrero went back and revised his list so he's now he's taken 5 schools off it and now he's only proposing that 5 schools be closed or consolidated with other nearby schools really and that's the situation that led up to Monday night November 14th, the first and only official public comment session in front of the school board.
2: So we are going to give the tech team just a few minutes. They're going to try to live stream it in this. uh, And and
1: this was crazy, Bree. Hundreds of people were in attendance. We're talking about six hours of testimony. Students, teachers, principals, you know, and young students too. I mean, it was kind of adorable. There were a few... um, I mean, these are elementary schools, and some of the students are just like, I'll just play you some tape.
2: Good evening. My name is Kaiko Orasai. I am a student at Columbian Elementary, and I would like you to repeal the small school's resolution. When they told me they were closing um, Columbian, I felt dejected. I was just really sad, and, um, and I was too sad to go to my Kung Fu class. I would like to- you to know that school closure um, to the students at those schools feels like a very wrong choice. Students should have a say at what happens to their schools because it has been their school for a long period of time.
1: There were a few really dramatic moments too. I mean, there was, there was one point early on where Director Anderson, he pointed out that there had been this uh, rope barrier set up between the board and the audience before the meeting. Apparently, this is not something that's normally there. I have a point of inquiry. Okay. I would like the superintendent- Vice Super President in- Anderson. Superintendent Marrero, can you please explain to the board and the general public why there are stanchions across and the public is blocked from the school board? I do not recall a board email or a safety threat, if there is a safety threat. To and he was the making a point that this is you know separating the board from the people. And he made a big show of you know asking who requested this. And then he eventually got up out of his chair, left the dais, and then went and sat among the audience. Thank you for the inquiry. Um, If it's making anyone uncomfortable, it's uh, as simple as removing. However, with all the media that we have, all the expected participants, and also that podium is best situated in front of us as opposed to the side. So many reasons, and it was a request of adults in the building inclusive of board members and staff members. So So it was this very uh, tense atmosphere. And I should say, I didn't watch the whole thing, but our friend Melanie Asmar at Chalkbeat did. And she said she didn't hear a single person come out in favor of school closures. So I'm coming away with this overwhelming feeling of empathy for the board members, you know? Like they must see the data on declining enrollment. They know what DPS's finances look like. They know how many other areas of the district are underfunded but many of them also know firsthand the pain of a school closure, so I don't know what I would do if it was me.
0: Well, we're gonna hear from one of the board members right after this break. I'll be speaking with Director Michelle Quattlebaum about how she's thinking about declining enrollment, the prospect of school closures, and how she expects the vote on Medero's proposal will play out. best part is pine melon offers same day delivery to denver and soon boulder within a two-hour window no subscription necessary save time in your busy schedule and get fresh and healthy groceries delivered right to your door join the movement and support local today use promo code citycastdenver for 75 dollars off your first delivery at pinemelon.com that's pinemelon.com Michelle Quadlebaum, welcome to CityCast Denver.
2: Thank you, Bree. It's nice to be here with you in CityCast Denver. So in addition to being
0: a board member about to vote on school closures, you're also a parent who has personal experience with this. And I want to understand that position better. Michelle, take me back to the moment when you first heard your kids' middle school was going to be closed. It
2: was difficult, of course. so the middle school that my children went to, is Smiley middle school, um, that happened to be their father's middle school as well. And there were a number of, um, of their friends where their parents went to Smiley as well because it was a community school. You lived in the community, you know, so it's generational. And so we had to move forward, although that was painful, Um, But we also understood, I also understood that it was the beginning of a legacy for other families. And in that process, we were able to draw on some beautiful things that my children's father and some of his classmates experienced. You know, they did did carnivals and they just did all kinds of, you know, fun community things. And that's where we glean from the past on what even though this was that was a sad time we could borrow from the past and make it a positive time
0: so i'm what i'm hearing from you is like when your family went through this very thing that some families may be going through soon you were looking at the legacy of the school and thinking about the the memories that you were had created there and and the meaningfulness of having that school in your neighborhood. And I know that there's this vote coming up about possible school closures. And you've said that you're not going to vote in favor of those closures, right? Yes. Can you talk a little bit about how you came to
2: that decision? This process has really deviated from the way I normally do things because I do remember what it's like to be a community person but having a sense that the decision was already made so why am I at public comment why am I doing this when the decision um, has already been made or why am I going to the community meetings and so that's why this deviates because normally I do not know how I'm going to vote until after public comment and that's because of the it's it's emotional for me. Let's just be honest. It this is emotional for me. And um I I want this process to I want our communities to walk away with a positive experience while they're maybe going through something painful. And I know that that, for some, it's like it's painful, it can't be positive. Well, that's actually not true.
0: It seems to me that you're alluding to the possibility that even if the board votes no on Thursday that this issue with declining enrollment will mean some school closures are still inevitable. Do you think that regardless of the vote, that some schools will
2: still have to close in the near future? So I do believe that we have to have this conversation. Um, and I just, I don't, I don't know what that'll look like. We could end up, there are just so many different scenarios that I could name. Um, we have to have the conversation, but I don't know how the conversation will end. Um, but we must be honest and transparent of the position of the district and and when i say the position of the district i'm not just talking financial Um, it is how are we ensuring that every single dps school is a quality school what does it take to achieve that and i believe that we are all in alignment with that because we all want to, I don't have children anymore in school, but um, I do feel a part of the community because I am, but we can all, we all agree that we want to send our children to quality schools. And so we don't have to have conversations about enrollment. We don't, I mean, there are just certain conversations that we don't have to have because we have, high quality schools. And I understand some, I'm just gonna put it out there. Some will say that that's not a realistic view on life. Um, But I'm a positive person. And I believe that you set a goal and you work towards it. I was so inspired by the families that um, said, my school is not closing. The individuals that said, I don't have children in DPS, but we can do better than this. Let's have the conversation. I'm advocating for other students. I'm advocating for other families. That's the DPS community that I know and am proud to represent. So this big vote is Thursday. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. Hmm. (laughs) All I know is I believe that I will be doing the right thing for the right reasons. And Either way, whether we're closing five schools or we're not closing five schools on Thursday, we still have work to do. When it comes down to it, we had to have this conversation, and it doesn't go away.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I think you you can only speak for yourself, and we have to find out uh, what what happens on Thursday with this decision.
2: Well, Michelle Kwanabam,
0: thank you so much for joining me.
2: Thank you, Brie, for the invitation. I appreciate it.
0: And here's what else Denverites are talking about. The results from last week's election are still not official official, but it looks like the state measure to allow wine in grocery stores is going to pass after all. If it does, grocery and convenience stores will be allowed to start selling wine on March 1st, 2023, which is exactly four years after voters decided that those stores should be allowed to stock the shelves with full strength beer. Now I'm curious how much food they're going to have to get rid of to make room for the wine aisle the city of Aurora is having a hard time finding anyone even remotely interested in being their next chief of police. City officials announced this week that they've hired Art Acevedo as its second interim police chief since April, when then-chief Vanessa Wilson was fired under contentious circumstances. Aurora began the search for Wilson's replacement, but two of the three finalists withdrew their applications last month, and the third didn't even have enough support. But since then, no one else has applied. And finally... Just a reminder that time is running out to get in on an awesome giveaway we're doing. Chef Jared Farina wants to treat a CityCast Denver listener to a free fine dining cannabis dinner in your home for up to four people. You've got to buy the concentrate yourself, but Jared will do the rest. It's a $500 value, and to win, all you have to do is leave us a voicemail with your worst or funniest edibles nightmare. You have until midnight on Sunday, November 20th to get us your story, and then we'll pick our favorite to win a private dinner with Chef Jared. Just leave us a voicemail at 720-500-5418, and you could win a wild night to remember. That number again is 720-500-5418. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell your favorite DPS student about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. And subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. I'll be back tomorrow morning. We'll be back. Not just me. There's a whole group of us here.